But my phone says two o'clock now, so I guess we can go ahead and start, and then if Adam joins us, that'd be great. So, is that good? Yeah, I think that sounds good. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, we are going to go ahead and um, call to order the Public Incentives Review Committee meeting um, for today, um, Monday, April 12th. And our first course of action is to approve the November 10th, 2020. Excuse me, Michelle. I, I think I probably should start out by reading the instructions. Oh, that's right. You have those lovely long instructions. No, I'm sorry. Thank you for reminding <laughs> me. I appreciate that. So go ahead. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks, Madam Chair. I am going to provide a few procedural reminders for the virtual meeting. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and public access channel 25. During the meeting, you, when you are not participating, please mute yourself by clicking on the microphone icon found in the lower left-hand side of the Zoom menu next to the video icon. When you are muted, a red line will appear over the icon. Muting your microphone during the meeting will make it easier for everyone to hear. You just have to remember to unmute if and when you want to speak. In some cases, I may mute or unmute people as needed to minimize distractions during the meeting. Please remember to state your name every time you speak for the benefit of those listening remotely. You can turn your video camera on or off by clicking the video icon in the menu. For the purposes of this public meeting, when you are, particip when you are participating in the meeting, please keep your video on. When you are not participating in the meeting, please turn your video off. You will still be able to listen to the meeting when your video is off. You just have to remember to turn your video back on when you are participating. Turning your Turning your video off when you are not participating will help make sure that the active meeting participants can be seen on the screen. In some cases, I may turn someone's video off if they are not actively participating to avoid distraction during the meeting. You can always turn your video back on during the meeting. If you are participating by phone, you can click star six to unmute your phone. For those using Zoom, somewhere on your screen, you will see a choice to toggle between speaker and gallery view, gallery view. Speaker view shows the active speaker. Gallery view tiles all the meeting participants. Board members and city staff members, you must state your name and title each time you speak. All motions will need to be stated clearly. After a motion is made and seconded, the chair will call on board members individually to provide their vote. Um, Madam Chair, you will then need to announce whether the motion carried and the, and the count of the vote. When public comment is sought on an item, individuals participating via Zoom should use the raise your hand feature. Windows and Mac users can access this feature through the participants button at the bottom of their screen. Android and iPhone users can access this feature through the more button located at the bottom right corner of their screen. For those calling in by phone, you may dial nine, star nine. Individuals will be called upon by name in the order they appear on the meeting host screen. When you are called on, please unmute your listening device and state your name before speaking. The chair will then call for in-person public comment for those without access to technology options. Staff present will direct you to the podium to speak. 
following social distancing and safety protocols. The regular three minute time limit will apply. Thank you. Okay, now all yours, Michelle. All right, thank you, Britt. All right, so um, first course of action is to approve the November 10th to 2020 meeting minutes. So hopefully everyone on the board has been able to review those and I'll take a motion to accept those or if there are any changes. Any changes? Any motion? Michelle, I'd like to make a motion to approve those minutes. Okay, John has a motion to approve those minutes. And is there a second? Um, this is Christina Gentry. I will second that motion. All right, thanks, Christina. All right, so we have a motion by John uh, Matthew and a second by Christina Gentry to uh, approve the minutes from November 10th. Um, I'll do a roll call uh, vote. Um, Christina? Aye. Brad Burnside? Aye. Um, John Matthews? Aye. Kate Lorenz? Aye. Um, Shannon Kimball, not sure if she's on. Patrick Kelly. Adam Ritchie. Michelle Fells is an aye. So with uh, five in favor, with zero against, the motion uh, passes. All right, so our next agenda item is to do introductions. We do have three new um, committee members. And uh, so we're gonna take a moment to introduce all of uh, ourselves to each other. Um, these three new committee members have uh, attended orientation um, that Britt uh, was able to put on, so that's great. So we'll just go around and I'll call on each of you and uh, you can just take a moment to introduce yourself. Uh, Christina? Yes, good afternoon, board members. Uh, good afternoon, new members of the PIRC. Glad to have you. My name is Christina Gentry. I use she, her, hers pronouns. I currently work at the Lawrence Douglas County Public Health as a community health liaison. However, my position here at this board or this committee is as a community, community member at large. Um, thank you. Okay, thanks. Uh, Brad Burnside. Good afternoon. Um, this is Brad Burnside. I'm the uh, community bank president for U.S. Bank in Lawrence, and uh, I can't. I don't recall how long I've been on this committee. It's been a while, and uh, uh, but I look forward to working with uh, the three new members. So thank you. All right, Kate. <laughs> 
Hi, everyone. I'm Kate Lorenz. I use she, her pronouns. I am the director of events and audience services at the LEAD Center. Um, so I've definitely, uh, I know, interacted with some of the board members in that capacity. Um, I'm excited to, to be serving on this committee. And uh, my position, um, my name was put forward by the Sustainability Advisory Board. Um, so um, yeah, excited to see um, how I can uh, help in that capacity as well. All right. Uh, John? Hi, my name is John Matthews. I've lived in Lawrence for about 20 years. Uh, I currently work at the University of Kansas. I work with scientists that get government grants there, and I'm excited to be on this committee. All right. I don't believe Shannon, Patrick, or Adam have joined us yet. Um, I am Michelle Fells. I'm currently serving as the chair for at least another minute, and um, I work at RCB Bank as a mortgage originator here in town and been on the committee for, I think, three years. So I have really, truly enjoyed it. So, all right, thank you. All right, our uh, next course of action is, um, we do need to elect uh, a chair and a vice chair for the coming year. Um, and uh, our previous vice chair uh, is no longer on the committee. And then um, my year is up. So we will take some um, motions um, for new chair and vice chair. Any motions? Somebody's got their hand raised, go ahead. I'd like to make a motion to nominate Michelle Fales for chair. All right, any other motions for chair? I will any? second, this is Christina Gentry. I will second that nomination for Michelle as chair. All right, so we do have a motion by John. Um, to reappoint me as chair for the coming year. And uh, Christina has seconded that. So we'll go through roll call and take a vote for that. Um, Christina? Yes, aye. Brad? Aye. Kate? Aye. John? Aye. And I'll go ahead and say aye. So with a uh, vote of uh, five in favor and zero uh, against uh, that motion carries. All right, and we need to take a motion for a new vice chair. Christina Gentry, I will nominate John Matthews as vice chair. All right. And any second on that? Kate Lorenz, I'll second that. All right, we do have a motion by Christina um, to appoint John Lawrence, I'm sorry, um, to um, John Matthews, sorry, <laughs> um, as uh, vice chair and uh, Kate has seconded. So we'll go roll call. Uh, Christina? Aye. Brad? Aye. Kate? Aye. John? Aye. And Michelle is a yes. Um, so with a vote of 5-4-0 against, uh, John Matthews is our vice chair. So thank you. And I am assuming, John, you are A-OK -okay with that. 
If I did, I probably shouldn't have said I on that one. Yeah. <laughs> All right, great. Too late now. All <laughs> right. Well, I guess I will continue um, with the agenda. Um, so our next uh, agenda item is to review the 2022 funding request from our economic development agencies. And um, so we will review these and then provide a recommendation for the city commission and the board of county commissions. So I'm gonna hand it over to Britt. Yeah, thanks, Michelle. Um, I just wanted to give just a, a few opening uh, contextual remarks. Um, the city, if if you are not yet aware, the city's been working on a city strategic plan, and then we're also working on an economic development strategic plan. Uh, with COVID and all the things that it's brought, and a very progressive city manager, we're really changing the way that we are viewing things and trying to view our work and proceed with our work. And that includes economic development. It's a very um, exciting time for this, but it's also quite a challenge because it's very different for all of us. It's a different process, different procedures, that sort of thing. Um, what our city manager is looking for is um, uh, proposals that will, you know, move the needle when it comes to economic development, uh, but also proposals that leverage city dollars with other partnerships, because one of the key things about our economic development strategic plan is collaborative partnerships. And to be quite honest, none of these programs really can be funded, I think, by one entity. It really needs to be more of a partnership of several organizations, be it private or public or a combination of both. So this year, um, we are, we asked the uh, economic development agencies, we have three of them, uh, three main ones uh, in the past, we asked them to, to submit proposals to us. We will do an agreement with them later on in the, the year, but we asked them to submit a proposal for services that they would provide and to tie it to the strategic plans um, because that's what our funding um, priorities will be. So I just wanted to kind of give you that and let you know. Um, I know we've got a, quite a few new people on here, so you're not used to the old way, but for those who are used to the old way, this is, uh, this is a new and different and more progressive way, I think, of handling all this. So, so with that, we can open it up to presentations, and I think what we'll do is start with the chamber, and Steve Kelly is here. Steve, are you doing the presentation for the chamber and the EDC? Ryan and I will do it in, in, in combination. We'll each do specific sections of it. Okay, and what I've asked each of the presenters to do is to present for maybe five to seven minutes and then give us another five to seven minutes to ask questions of them afterwards. So uh, that'll help you uh, focus in on whatever questions or additional information you need. So with that, I'm gonna go ahead and turn it over to Steve. Yes, thank you very much, Brad. And again, Ryan and I will, will both be providing portions of the presentation, but I'll lead off if, Ryan, if you can share the screen for the first slide. We have a, a, a set of slides. We have seven slides that we're gonna go over in pretty quick order to give some context. Um, and, and just as a, a bit of background, I'm Steve Kelly. I'm the Vice President for Economic Development for Lawrence Chamber. Uh, and I'm going to, to speak kind of on some general topics, and then Ryan is going to speak on some specific asks, and then I will kind of conclude with kind of a recap of some of the things we've been working on as part of our normal course of work. And 
And the, the members of the committee have seen our proposal. We're actually looking at, at basically two different pieces. One piece is a continuation of what I'll consider the base level funding we've been getting. And, and in, in the proposal, we reiterated what that is for. Uh, but I'm, we're going to speak a little bit more in depth on some of the additional asks for the enhancements that we're asking for. Uh, and, and those would all, I think, be considered primarily in the area of entrepreneurial support, as you can see on this slide. And we're asking for $240,000 for funding to support a minority woman business revolving loan fund. Uh, we're asking for uh, $20,000 to support enhancements to some of the baseline information and kind of processing mapping uh, to support our entrepreneurial ecosystem. We're also asking for some funding for an entrepreneurial pitch competition, which would not only provide some level of funding for the entrepreneurs, but also I think would bring uh, significant attention and awareness of the entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial community and, and some of the assets and resources here to support it. And then we're also asking for an enhancement of the city's funding for the Small Business Development Center. And this is provided as a pass-through as part of our budget every year. We ask for funding for the SBDC uh, from both the city and the county. And that basically functions as a pass-through. And it's been stable for a number of years. And we think it's probably important and appropriate to uh, enhance that. And then I will add very quickly before I turn it over to Ryan, that each of these asks is not independent and a singular ask of the city. We're also proposing uh, that uh, from our fundraising campaign, which just got underwear recently, that we would provide some additional support for these uh, most of these activities. Plus there are several of them that we're also going to ask for some county enhancement. So this is not a singular approach to just the city. This is something that we're doing in concert with some other funds and fundraisers that we're proposing. So with that, I'll turn it over to Ryan. Thanks, Steve. Um, just some stats about our, uh, our current uh, business community. Um, total businesses in Lawrence, and this is from Mergent Intellect um, information from them. Total businesses, 11,239. Uh, Minority-owned businesses in Lawrence, there's 51. So they make up 0.45% of our uh, of our businesses and uh, woman-owned businesses come out to 311 so 2.8 percent of our overall businesses as a percentage of the community uh, minorities make up 17 percent uh, 15,705 and uh, women make up 43,641 so 49.79 uh, percent so one of the things that we're interested in um, with the minority-owned um, business and and Women on Visit the Revolving Loan Fund is to help uh, support minorities and, and women uh, to start more businesses in our community. And as Steve mentioned, uh, with the KU uh, Small Business Development Center, um, you'll notice from 2019 to 2020, there was a significant jump uh, in the amount of uh, businesses that they served. Uh, 360 to 480, uh, $13 million in capital infusion to 16 million in 2020. And then uh, they helped 30 or sorry, 62 business starts in 2019 and 37 uh, in 2020. Um, notice was quote, please, 
in most years, our breakdown between prospective new entrepreneurs and existing businesses is really close to 50-50. But in 2020, the increase in client load is directly tied to existing businesses. Um, So they had a fair number of reactivations or clients that they might have met with 10 years ago. Uh, but that have been in business for some time, but during the pandemic, uh, obviously needed assistance. And so uh, they spent a lot of time and energy uh, working with them and their load has increased uh, significantly because of that. Um, And obviously there's going to be expected um, trials for those businesses in the coming years. It's not going to go away as soon as the, uh, as soon as things open back up from the pandemic. Um, When we think about entrepreneurship, uh, the Chamber has really focused in several specific areas. Uh, We have a Metro e-community, it's called Lawrence Metro e-community gap funding program that's through Network Kansas. And so far, we've leveraged that this year to provide uh, resources for three businesses. Again, that's a matching uh, loan. And so that initial capital needs to be in place uh, in order to be able to access the matching loan because it's a gap uh, for uh, for the loan. So again, this is where that revolving loan fund would come in handy um, for minority and women-owned businesses especially. And uh, we've also supported Launch Lawrence, um, which is a nonprofit that has created some spaces uh, on Zoom. They've created some events on Zoom for students and community members to come and make pitches, get feedback on how to make presentation as they look for funding uh, and putting business ideas together. They've also mentored uh, quite a few folks. And so one success out of that uh, has been Ariadne Solutions who we connected with uh, through this space. Um, We created this event, we we were able to connect with them. And recently uh, they're located downtown. They've got an intern from KU. Uh, They're interested in being very involved in our community. It's a KU alum. Uh, And we recently helped them access over $200,000 worth of capital. Um, Youth Entrepreneurial Challenge. So this is an event through Network Kansas that helps youth think about entrepreneurship. Uh, We've been working to expand that. So we recently had a meeting with the Boys and Girls Club uh, to create another entry point as we try to encourage students across uh, our community that are interested in entrepreneurship to take the next step. And then uh, we've been very actively involved in the Douglas County Entrepreneurial Support Network um, that is a supporting network to help uh, connect businesses with resources, would-be entrepreneurs with resources to help them find their next step. And then uh, finally, we have uh, partnered and supported with the B2PC as they've gone into phase three, um, supporting around $100,000 in funding uh, to help them as they expand into uh, this phase three at the next step. Thanks, Steve. And just a quick rundown of some of the other projects that we've worked on, and this would be probably in most cases considered to be part of our kind of baseline funding. Uh, We've worked with three, uh, and this is three projects of of particular note in the past year or so, U.S. Engineering, which is uh, doing site work on Lawrence Venture Park. Uh, It's going to be 80 jobs initially, going to 140, a major investment uh, there at the facility. Pretzels, Inc., uh, the walls are up on the building. It's, it's, It's under construction and moving very quickly. $88 million investment, 280 jobs. And modern manufacturing, which is a company that's locating uh, in the Eudora, and they are actually uh, hiring now. So that has moved fairly quickly, but 
78 jobs in, in that facility. Next slide, Ryan. Uh, and then on the retention and expansion, and, and not going to go through the entire list, but we've worked with Plasticon on a couple of expansions in the last year. Standard Beverage broke ground recently on a major expansion of their facility. We worked with both Douglas County and with the state in supporting small businesses and organizations here to get uh, funding from that process or those processes. Uh, we've been very involved with the ED strategic plan. We did a couple of surveys of businesses throughout the county uh, to determine their situation and, and the impacts of COVID and what they were uh, needing in terms of additional business support. And those were very helpful. And also have worked with some other smaller projects like Ziegler Glass, Adriana Solutions and Central Grazing to help them uh, either obtain funding or to support them and approaches to get support from other entities. And then the last slide. And then we've also have some involvement with, with um, workforce from the economic development standpoint. Uh, we've been supportive of the Rise Douglas County Fund and actually have put some money in support of it, uh, which will help uh, with unemployed and underemployed individuals and in getting training and certification. And then we also been very active in the anti-poverty jobs group and see a continued role for the chamber and for our efforts uh, in supporting some of those things that will help provide a broader base and, and stronger economic opportunities for folks throughout the county. With that, uh, I'm gonna conclude and then we'll stand for questions. All right, committee members, um, feel free to ask questions of Steve or Ryan. I'll go ahead and start. Good afternoon. Thank you for your presentation, Chamber. Um, I am excited to hear about the anti-poverty job group and work group being implemented and being um, seen as a priority of groups that you have been working with and want to continue to work with. Um, I recognize the work and the labor of that group has been, um, you know, even pre-COVID dating and, and throughout COVID, um, they have been meeting to speak on issues and topics that relate to um, job opportunities and economic development and uh, just addressing anti-poverty on a base level for Lawrence. Uh, if you would please speak a little bit to me or to the group about your entre the entrepreneurial support that you provide for the um, minority and women-owned businesses in Lawrence. I know you spoke a bit about the Lawrence Metro e-community gap funds, and you did a very good job telling us about um, some of the things, the other things that you support um, as they relate to entrepreneurship. But I'd like to know about that $240,000 and kind of understand uh, where those direct funds will go and what you support um, and what objectives in the anti-poverty uh, objective plan, as you will, that really speak to you and speak to the work that you can do with um, helping to support minority and women-owned businesses in Lawrence. Sure. Steve, you want I'll, me to- You go ahead and lead out, Ryan, and then if there's something okay. with, I'll, I'll follow up. Sure, there's a recent, well, not too recent, it's been several years old now, but a Brookings Study Institute, um, Brookings Institute study, sorry, that came out that pointed that uh, women and minorities owned businesses at a much lower rate. Uh, and then listed three reasons for that that they primarily found through their study. One was uh, opportunity to access capital. Another was opportunity to network. 
and the resources that become available because of those networking opportunities. And then also uh, opportunity for training and advancing to be able to expand and grow their business, which is super important for us, obviously. Um, and what we recognize is even with the, the um, Network Kansas e-community program, as I mentioned, it's a gap fund, uh, which means that if your business needs $60,000 to get started and or to grow and expand, and you were only able to access 40000 then you could apply for that $20,000 uh, from the e-community which is nice and it's been very helpful. It's supported a lot of folks in our community. Having said that, that initial uh, 40,000 typically comes from traditional sources. And what we recognize is sometimes uh, folks are not able to apply for those for various reasons. And so this revolving loan fund would come in to provide an answer to that uh, and a solution towards that end. Yeah, and, and just to follow on very quickly, Christina, I, I think, you know, one of the things from the anti-poverty work that we've been involved with and, and also just our, our base feelings in general, we think it's very important to provide support for minority and underserved communities. Uh, that has been an untapped opportunity for this community. And, you know, the idea behind the Revolving Loan Fund is one, to provide that base level of support, but also to put something into place that will continue to develop funds through the repayment to allow other entrepreneurs to, to benefit down the road so that it's not a one-time opportunity. And then when the money's gone, we don't have any capability to go forward. And the idea would be that this might be part of a two or three year ask ultimately that would build and that would allow a certain amount of funds from the city, the county, and also from the chamber to be combined that would give us a good base. It would allow us to support uh, entrepreneurs in the community on an ongoing basis for an extended period of time. All right. Uh, any other questions? Hi, I have a question. I'm Kate Lorenz. So I'm also um, very intrigued about this, about the uh, minority and women-led business revolving loan fund. And I was wondering one thing that I know in the um, recommendations from Ernst & Young, they talked about being a community that was underserved, but also a huge asset, very special to Lawrence is our Native American community. So I was wondering if you all could speak a little bit about what relationships you have in that respect and um, uh, any kind of focus you'll have um, in that direction. Well, I'll, I'll try to tackle that one real quickly and then Ryan can chime in. Uh, yeah, I, I agree the the Native American community is kind of a unique asset in Lawrence that has been underutilized and undertapped. And quite honestly, for a variety of reasons, has not really participated, participated in a lot of the resources that are currently available. Uh, so I think it is important and, and certainly they would be able to be part of this minority and, and women owned business asset. But we're also looking at other approaches to Haskell and through the Haskell network to try to tap into to a number of those folks to get greater involvement because it's kind of a two-way street. We need to reach out, but we also need to be able to encourage them to participate. And to some extent, that's been one of the challenges historically is that we haven't done a good job, I don't think, from either side to really do what we could to, to really capitalize in a positive way on what on the asset that is the, the Haskell and the Native American community in Lawrence and Douglas County. 
This is Bonnie Lowe. I'll jump in real quick. I'm the president and CEO of the Lawrence Chamber of Commerce, and we have a DEI committee that we've been working with for the last 10 months or so. And Dan Wildcat is a very valued member of that organization. And so instead of uh, reaching out and and suggesting what um, Native American people may need, we're asking them as well so they can uh, we can fulfill those needs. Great question, Kate. Thank you. All right. Any other questions from our committee members? I had one, Michelle. This is John Matthews, PERC Great. member. Uh, I just wanted to confirm that the current amount of funding is 220000 Is that correct? That is correct. And I did have one qu second question. As far as on the loan decisions, uh, from what I read on Ernst & Young, they mentioned a cap at 50000 and I read that the city of Lawrence would not be having a cap. Uh, my question is in regards to uh, what would be who and what at the Chamber of Commerce would be making these loan uh, criteria decisions as far as on what well, is it? I'll take a quick crack at that. Uh, we currently with, and, and Ryan had mentioned the e-loan community uh, or e-loan process. We have a loan committee that's in place now. And the thought was to use that group at least as kind of a baseline to get started. And there will need to be some decisions made on what the requirements are, maybe what the cap is. Is it 40,000? Is it 50,000? What would be best for this particular model that we're working from? So those things will be developed, but we do have in place a loan review committee that has experience uh, reviewing loans with the e-loan program. And so it would be our thought at least initially to kind of tap into that and their expertise um, to kind of formulate what, what the plan would be in terms of the actual implementation. Okay. Thank you. All right, any other questions? And I do want to note that our committee member, Adam Ritchie has joined the group. Any other questions for the chamber? All right, I have one question, but it's for Britt. Um, when we take our vote on this, do we take it as three separate votes or just one for the entire event? I think it could be three separate if, if you feel like you want to separate it out. The other groups also have, um, they've, they've kind of separated out theirs as well. So that might be the best way to handle it. Okay. All right, there, um, before we take a motion, are there any other questions for the chamber? All right, um, we want to entertain a motion for the base funding request of 220,000 um, from the ch chamber and the EDC. Any motion? Kate Lorenz, I will uh, make a motion to, uh, to vote on that. Okay, any second um, to uh, the base funding of 220? Michelle, this is John Matthews. I'd like to make a second, second that motion. All right. We have a motion on the floor from Kate um, to recommend the base funding from the chamber 
for 220,000 and a second by John. So we'll do a roll call vote. I do want to uh, note that Brad uh, Burdenside will be recusing himself in this vote. All right, Christina. Aye. Kate. Aye. John. Aye. Adam. Aye. And I am a uh, I also. So we have five eyes, one recusal, and uh, no nays. So that does pass. All right. Yes. Michelle, this is Commissioner Kelly. Oh, I'm sorry, I joined late. Sorry. Okay. No, that's great. Patrick, um, do you want to vote also? Aye. All right. So we do have six eyes, one, uh, one recusal, and zero no's. All right. And that passes. Um, do we want to entertain a motion for the Chamber's request for revolving loan fund? fund budget of This is Christina Gentry. Can I get a clarification, please? The 240,000 is for the revolving loan for fund, or is that, I have this written down in my notes as the minority and women's business uh, funding. So can I get a clarifier of the 240,000 and what we're voting on? Um, uh, I was just reading it off our spreadsheet, so I apologize. Um, but yes, it would be the 200,000 200, for the Minority and Women Business Fund, and then 40,000 for administrative support for a total of 240,000 under a revolving, revolving loan fund budget. Hey, thank you for that clarifier. Yep. So if anybody would like to make a motion on that, that'd be great. Hi, Michelle. Adam Ritchie here. I will uh, make a motion. All right. And a second. Christina Gentry, I will second that motion. All right. So we have a motion by Adam Ritchie um, to uh, recommend the funding for the uh, revolving loan fund budget for minority and women business um, with some administrative support, the amount of 240,000 with a second by Christina Gentry. So we'll go ahead and do a roll call vote. Uh, Christina? Aye. Brad? Oh, sorry, Brad will recuse himself. Uh, Kate? Aye. John? Nay. Adam? Aye. Patrick? Aye. And I am an aye. So we have, um, let's see, five in favor, one nay, and one recusal. The motion carries. All right. Um, the next um, requested item here is additional entrepreneurial support in the amount of 52,000 
um, for the development of entrepreneurial assets um, and uh, guidance and support. Any recommendation on that? Michelle, this is John uh, Matthews Perkins member. I'd like to make a motion on the for, on that on the fifty-two thousand. Okay. All right, and do we have a second. Kate Lorenz, I will second that. All right, so John Matthews has uh, made a motion to approve the uh, requested 52,000 by the chamber um, for additional entrepreneurial support. That motion has been seconded by Kate Lorenz and we will do a roll call vote. Christina. Aye. Brad is a recusal. Um, Kate? Aye. John? Nay. Adam? Aye. And Patrick? Aye. All right, and John, I did want to clarify that your motion was to approve that, correct? Well, I thought it was to, to, as far as I'm voting. Um, okay, I just want to bring it up sure. to a vote. I thought. Okay. Well, what is what was what is the process if no one brings it up for a motion for clarification on any item if a first you can or make second a recommendation is not. you can make a motion to approve or deny as a motion oh, okay uh, yeah Thank i just you. want to make sure i had uh noted that correctly so we have um five approvals one no and one recusal and the motion to approve the additional entrepreneurial support for the chamber of 52,000 has passed. All right, so thank you, um, Steve, Bonnie, and Ryan. And um, our next request is child care enhancements. And I'm not sure who's presenting on behalf of um, uh, it looked like ERC resource and uh, positive bright start. And Michelle Hugh Carter here. I'm going to just share my screen, and I'm I'm just pulling up the presentation. We'll have uh, Reva Waiwatis with Child Care Aware and Anna Jenny with Positive Bright Start that will be making the comments. Awesome, thank you, Hugh. Bet. Everybody see that? Okay. Not yet. Okay. Uh, Michelle, I just had a question before we get started, if I could. Uh, if, yeah. As far as on, when would you like to know if we were to recuse ourselves as far as on on this? I may have a potential conflict of interest. Um, you can either tell us verbally or um, Brad sent me a message in chat. So either way. Okay. Thank so you. do you think you should recuse yourself? Uh, yes, I currently would. Uh, would. Should I make an explanation for that? or? Not necessary. If, okay. if you feel like there's a conflict, um, it's um, it's whatever you feel. Okay. So I understand. Okay. So, Thank you. All right. Thank you. Well, this is Reva Waiwatis. I am the Executive Director of Child Care Aware of Eastern Kansas, and I am going to start the presentation and uh, talk about the, the first few slides, and then I will be turning it over to Anna Jenny from Positive Bright Start. So just as a little 
brief background, uh, Child Care Aware of Eastern Kansas is the licensed child care resource and referral agency that serves Douglas County. We work with regulated child care programs um, as well as community partners to address the accessibility of child care in Kansas communities and work to improve the quality of care available for families. And then we also operate the state's parent resource center. So we help uh, parents find child care in their local community. <clears throat> Go ahead and advance the slide, Hugh, if you would. Um, this presentation aligns with the city's master economic development strategic plan under 37B. We are going to um, talk with you today about ways that we can expand childcare capacity as well as make it more affordable for families in the community. This was a collaborative effort. Um, it involved not only uh, Positive Bright Start and Child Care Aware, but the Lawrence Chamber, the City of Lawrence, uh, Douglas County, Douglas County Success by Six, the United Way of Douglas County, and other partners were all involved in these planning conversations, kind of bringing this idea uh, to fruition and for this presentation today. We wanted to ad um, adapt a two-generation workforce strategy. We want to give families a way out of poverty, and we know that they need access to child care and that child care needs to be affordable. Infant and toddler care in particular is in very short supply in the community, and any family with young children will attest to that. So that's really where we focused our efforts. And then we also um, wanted to um, acknowledge that what happens in the early years of a child's life really helps build their skills, um, not only for their generation, but then later as they enter the the workforce. So when you think about the things that are happening in high quality early learning programs, children are learning about negotiation and communication and problem solving, and they're going to use those skills, not only when they enter school, but throughout life, and then when they actually enter the workforce. So we um, addressed capacity kind of with two different strategies. And the first one was to explore childcare availability through facility investments. And so you'll see on this slide in, and in the proposal that one idea that the group wanted to present um, was the idea of investing in retrofitting an existing building. Um, this slide specifically references the possibility of Kennedy School as there's been conversations about the possibility of turning that into um, an early learning hub, um, but it could certainly be a different location. Um, so we're not necessarily saying this is the location, but this would be a potential um, location and there may be others in the community. Um, it would take dollars to take any existing building and retrofit it for infant toddler care. Um, and particularly where infant care is involved, um, you have to think about things like sprinkler systems and um, uh, anytime young children are in a building, there has to be exits to the outside and there needs to be easy access to bathrooms and hand washing sinks. 
And so um, there is a price to that. And yet by investing in a, a facility, then that local operator that would come along and actually operate the, the facility and provide care could then potentially do that at a lower cost to help um, families uh, more easily access that care. Another possibility would be to invest in a new build. And so um, what's shown on the screen and in your packet is the estimated price tag um, for a new build um, based on square footage um, that could potentially add an, an additional 100 childcare slots in the community. So um, this is just one strategy for really addressing the shortage of childcare in our community, um, knowing that without childcare, families cannot enter the workforce or stay in the workforce. Childcare is just such an integral part of the economic well-being of uh, the city of Lawrence and of Douglas County. So Childcare Aware of Eastern Kansas's role would be to support um, if, if the proposal goes forward and an investment in a facility would actually take place, we would work as um, one of many community partners to help um, move that process along, get that program through licensing and choose a local vendor. But the other uh, strategy that we are proposing is to add an ad additional infant and toddler slots by recruiting and helping 10 new family childcare businesses get established um, in Lawrence. We anticipate that those 10 new programs would add another 20 to 25 infant and toddler slots in the community. And um, we would assess quality by using a class assessment and then provide uh, stipends and incentives to those programs as they're getting through licensing. Um, that could be everything from smoke detectors and fire extinguishers and baby gates and uh, cribs and all of the, that equipment that they would need to get started, as well as licensing fees and uh, professional development. Um, we are requesting a total of $200,200 for that um, aspect of the program. And it was noted in the packet that approximately 105,000 of that would be pass through money that would go back out into these businesses in the community in the way of stipends and grants. And then $18,000 of that was for professional development and marketing strategies that would also not only impact these 10 programs and whatever other facility um, might be supported, but also the existing programs in the community because we want to retain the high quality childcare slots that are out there as well as uh, build capacity. We did note as well that we do have some cash and in-kind support already identified to help support this work and are certainly um, continuing to look for other avenues of funding that would blend and braid existing funding and existing strategies going on at the regional and state level with this local effort. I'm gonna turn it over now to Anna Janney to talk about the affordability piece. Good afternoon. I'm Anna Jenny from Positive Bright Start. Um, as you probably are very aware, uh, childcare is very expensive and it falls, the burden falls very heavily on low-income families. Uh, we have been 
administering child care scholarship programs for over 40 years. Our most recent uh, scholarship program that we put together last summer with some CARES funding was for families, essential workers that were affected by the, the COVID uh, pandemic. Um, we, over the period from August through December of 2020, with CARES money, we were able to uh, fund scholarships for 101 children at a cost of $232,600. Let me say that again, $232,666. So that was for five months. Obviously, um, the cost of scholarships and the ongoing cost to parents is, is phenomenal. Um, so our child care tuition scholarship program would provide sliding scale scholarships up to 240% of the federal poverty level, but we would emphasize scholarships for those at the highest, at the lowest FPL. Uh, we would fund 18 scholarships for infants and 36 scholarships for toddlers. The average cost of a scholarship for infants would be $1,000. For toddlers, it would be $750. Uh, and then we would look to increase the quality of care at, at our approved scholarship sites by continuing to conduct peer leadership meetings and doing class assessments. The peer leadership meetings is for directors of our scholarship centers. They do studies in instructional leadership. Um, most recently, they delved in the into the topic of trauma-informed care. They've had training in doing assessments and utilizing the data from the assessment for classroom instruction. Uh, and we are currently arranging an anti-bias training. The budget for this would be, we're asking the city to provide $540,000 for scholarships. Um, that would be the infant and toddler scholarships and an additional $43,200 for administrative support. And that would cost the, would cover the wages and benefits for an employee who processes the applications who does communications with parents and centers, the record keeping involved, and then the payments to uh, providers. Then in addition, uh, Positive Bright Start would put $100,000 in preschool scholarships. Those would come from, funding for those would come from the United Way of Douglas County, Early Childhood Block Grant, private foundations, and donations. Then we would match another $64,325 in administrative support. That's the wages and benefits of the quality improvement coordinator to facilitate the peer mentoring classes. We would perform class observations, pay for facility and supply cost. Can we answer any questions for you? 
All right, committee members, if you have any questions for Anna or Riva, please ask. I have a question. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, this is Kate Lorenz. My question, uh, I definitely am one of those parents who has looked for childcare for a young child. So <laughs> I appreciate your presentation and I understand that frustration uh, that parents have. Um, my question is about the scholarships uh, for infants and toddlers. What is the um, duration of those scholarships and are, you know, how, how are they renewed? Um, that's my question. We accept scholarships once a year, assuming it's a one-year funding project. And so once they are approved, they'll have a one-year scholarship. Thank you. Um, so my question is uh, on that last slide, it showed a request for $540,000 plus the $43,000 in admin support. Mm -hmm. And that's for the city to cover 18 uh, infant scholarships for a year? Eight. 18 infant scholarships and 36 toddler scholarships. Okay. Okay. Sorry. I, I missed that detail because the math was not <laughs> Maybe I out. didn't say it, but <laughs> no, no, I, quite an omission. Yeah. Okay. That, that covers my question. Okay. All right. Any other questions from the committee? Christina Gentry, I do have a couple of questions. Um, talk a little bit, please, if you could, about the anti-bias training um, that you have as far as classroom instruction? This is a two-part question. So mm -hmm. maybe expand a little bit about what that anti-bias training looks like. And then also, um, how are you recruiting or what does the retention look like for BIPOC community members to be teachers uh, to kind of implement instruction into the classroom so that there's a representation of other community uh, partners and, and leaders and, and students and, and um, alike to be uh, part of this education process as it grows? Okay, so that was a long question. Uh, can you refresh my mind on, on what the first part of it was? Absolutely. And this is Christina Gentry. I, uh, it's the two-parter. So uh, either one of you could take the, the question one or take the question two in, in any format you choose. Um, but my question was about the anti-bias training. Expand uh, yes. a little bit about what that training looks like and what, what kind of training, and maybe give a name to that training. And the other part of the question was the recruitment and the retention for your um, classroom instructors. And how are you recruiting for BIPOC teachers uh, so that they can implement some of the training and, and the curriculum that we want to see in, in this environment, in this school? So if that question has been clarified for you um yeah please yeah, go ahead yeah. okay uh i will start to address your first question though i'm going to have to get some help from reva on it and then i think she can probably handle better the the second question but as far as our anti-bias training we're just now in uh conversations about what that would look like and where we would go to get materials um we have a group of nine or 10 scholarship directors on in our peer mentoring group, and that is what they're clamoring for now. Uh, so we are going to do our best to satisfy their needs. Uh, the first place we've gone to look is childcare aware. They do have uh, some pretty uh, inclusive 
uh, anti-bias training. And so we'll be talking with them beginning tomorrow about what that would look like and what that would cost us as a scholarship program. So Reva, can you give a little more information about that and then uh, address the second question? Sure, I will try. So the anti-bias professional development that we already have developed and approved by the Kansas Department of Health and Environment is being offered um, by our agency already in other communities. It is four two-hour segments. It's based on standards developed by the National Association for the Education of Young Children, and it's been really, really well received. Um, We are already offering that to a very small population in Douglas County through the preschool development grant. Um, And so we'll be expanding that offering um, in the community and hoping to partner with uh, Positive Bright Start to make that more readily and widely available. Um, As far as engaging uh, the BIPOC population, we will be submitting a uh, proposal to United Way to integrate um, that work and hopefully then weave it together with with, um, funding through the city as well. Um, But we have already um, done some preliminary work identifying um, our BIPOC uh, child care facility owners and management team, as well as um, staff to try to kind of get a handle on um, where they are, what percentage of our population falls into that category, and what their unique needs might be. So um, that work is already kind of underway um, and certainly want to um, uh, address that as part of this overall strategy. Thank you. And just one more clarifier. You gave information about this being a four, two-hour segment training. I did not hear the name of that training or the title of that training. Could you repeat that or could you say that, please? Um, (laughs) There are different topics, um, and I don't know if all four of the uh, classes in the series has a different title. Um, it's just anti-bias training. And then, like I said, it's been approved by the Kansas Department of Health and Environment. It covers um, uh, relationships and rituals, language and literacy, display and design are all uh, covered as part of the coursework. Okay, thank you for that. You're welcome. Any other questions from the committee members? All right, if not, I do have a few questions. Um, So if I'm looking at the request correctly, um, the initial request um, is more for the recruitment um, of additional classrooms and so forth. Um, And then I get to the 200,000, which would be for the renovation of Kennedy. Um, So my first question would be, what if uh, that building is not available to you? I know if I recall the district votes on that tonight, possibly. Um, So um, the other proposal I see in the file is the 3.25 building. A million dollar building um, would if the Kennedy option is not available 
does that funding just not get used and then there'd be a new request? I just want to make sure I understand the steps there. If I could chime in here, Reba. That'd be great. So Thanks, I, you. You bet. The, uh, so the ideal is that a couple hundred thousand would be needed to retrofit probably about any existing building we might partner on. Kennedy uh, came up because that's, and you're right, this, this, this uh, opportunity to ask uh, came up just a little early for us, but Kennedy's to, to be considered an example here. We're really looking for 200,000 to retrofit an existing building because about any building we take, we're going to have to make these accommodations. Right. And so whether we partner in some space or we get some something like this with uh, Kennedy through the school district, that'd be great. And then really the second piece on that $3 million new build is, mm -hmm. I should clarify that that's really not an ask of the group. More is out there to say, you know, for instance, for looking at East Hills or whatever, I got with uh, someone who builds these facilities, they're fairly expensive to meet all the licensing criteria. So that's just based on a 10,000 square foot facility to, to, to serve 100 infants and toddlers. Um, and, uh, you know, that would be the cost. So just wanted people to be thinking about the cost of new versus potentially some retrofitting. And also, um, you know, even at $3,250,000, it's just good to know that's the cost. And then potentially down the road, we could look at incentives to reduce that cost to maybe incentivize uh, someone to come in and do a public-private partnership of sorts uh, with a new build. Okay, that makes sense. And then um, on proposal number one, where you would recruit 10 new providers um, to participate in the scholarship program, um, who who will be doing that recruitment and um, selection, I guess, under the program? So that uh, piece of the proposal would fall under Child Care Aware. So what we are suggesting is that we would dedicate at least one full-time person to, to do this work. And so that's why this was a comprehensive proposal. So the, um, so the marketing campaign, if you will, would be to get the need out there into the community. We would specifically target um, or strategically get that messaging out. I shouldn't say target, but strategically get that message out um, to maybe stay home moms, work through networking groups, uh, parenting groups, um, just to gauge interest. And we would also look at where existing facilities are in the community and make where there might actually be, you know, a significant maybe um, area of community that might be lacking childcare and then really work to see if there are potential folks in that neighborhood that might consider this. Um, we would also work really closely with um, the Douglas County Health Department because they are the licensing entity that, that um, serves the county. And so we would work in partnership with them on any recruitment um, effort that we would do. Um, our goal was to recruit 10. If we had 12 that were super interested, we would absolutely make that happen. Okay, great. All right, those were only questions I had. Any other questions from the committee members? Michelle, this is Patrick Kelly. I just want to make sure I'm clear. I didn't read the, the request as asking for the dollars for retrofitting, either that 200000 or that 3.25 million. Did I read something incorrectly? 
and you might be you might be correct. I I just see okay. it in my screen as two hundred thousand being mentioned, and so I was just curious. Reba, you want to clarify that it was two hundred thousand for retrofitting, and then the uh, the two hundred and change uh, for the recruitment efforts, and then the separate piece for the scholarships. Right. So there so, are three three requests, right? Right. Yes. Okay. Does that help, Patrick? Yeah, I think so. Kate Lorenz, that's a good question. I, I think in the request, I didn't see specifically the 200,000 requested. So I thought it was administrative support and things for the recruitment program and the scholarship program. So thanks for clarifying. Yeah, so I'm seeing, okay, now maybe I'm more confused. I see the proposal for business supports for community-based infant, toddler, childcare at 202. Right. Then I also see scholarships at 540 and administrative support at 43. Is there, maybe I'm missing a page or something. I just wanna make sure I'm knowing what I'm voting on if I vote. So Britt may need to provide a little clarity because the first spreadsheet that came out um, had the retrofitting description, but it didn't, it wasn't listed in the budget total. So, and, and it's, it is a little confusing because we don't have a building yet that wouldn't be granted to Child Care Aware or to Positive Bright Start. It would just be funding that would be set aside and available if the Kennedy School was available or if a different site was, was identified that we could come back and ask for those dollars. Is that right, Hugh? Yes, that, that makes the most sense. I think it was just an omitted from that particular spreadsheet, but it, it should be in our initial, the proposal we provided anyway. I found it on the spreadsheet, but I'm, I wasn't seeing it in the, it didn't stand out in the request to me. So I'm glad we cleared that up. I see it now on the spreadsheet. And if I could, I'd just note real quickly too, that the, the funds, scholarships and otherwise, um, Keep in mind the numbers we're talking about of infants here. There's a much, much greater need out there. And so we're in the process of other, you know, a chamber capital campaign. We'll be going to the county. We're looking to the business community grants, state and federal. There's a lot, a lot more asks coming and a lot more resources needed. But this is, we're hopeful that you're almost as, as a lead, lead entry into this that we can point to to help us as we raise additional funds. This is Christina Gentry. Speaking of additional funds, um, I'm listening to uh, Anna Jenny say that 105 people, 105 families individually were helped during the um, funding of the CARES Act to this, um, not to this project itself, but to uh, assist with other families during the pandemic. Is that correct, Anna Jenny? Yes, there was 101 scholarships uh, granted last fall. Perfect. And so um, my question, this is Christina Gentry again, my question would be, is there an anticipation that the, uh, I guess the CARES Act Part 2 or the Freedom Fundings Act, I forget the name, I, I'm sorry, I apologize, mm -hmm. um, but do, do you anticipate maybe also receiving some scholarship funding from um, the Freedom Funds or the CDGB funding? Um, so is, is there an opportunity that you are, are pursuing with those funds uh, to also help alleviate some of the scholarship and the funding and, and the other sources of income that you're requesting? 
the uh, uh, relief program that was passed did include quite a bit of funding for childcare. My understanding is that it's going to the state level initially. What they decide to do with it will stand ready to respond. So it they the state will decide whether to give it all to DCF subsidies or something else. And if there does come some available for us to apply for a grant, we will certainly do so. All right, any other questions from the committee members? All right, so if we look at it, we do have three requests here. So does anyone want to entertain a motion for the first one? which is the uh, request for 202,200 for um, the investment in childcare availability. This is Patrick Kelly. I'll go ahead and move to recommend that request. All right, do we have a second? This is Adam. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll second. All right. We do have a motion by Patrick Kelly to um, uh, approve the request of $202,200 uh, for the investment in child care availability. Um, and Adam Ritchie has seconded it. Um, I will go ahead and do a uh, roll call vote. And uh, John has recused himself on this vote. So, Christina? I would say aye. Um, Brad? Aye. Kate? Aye. Adam? Aye. Patrick? Aye. And I am an aye. So with a vote of six in favor, zero against, and one recusal, um, that motion is carried. All right. The second request is for 200,000. Um, for renovations um, to either Kennedy or an existing building um, to retrofit it. Um, do we have any um, motion on that? Any motion from the committee members? Uh, Christina Gentry, I would move to make a motion. Um, it is a little bit confusing knowing that the Kennedy building is still a little bit in limbo of, of if it's going to be accessible, but I do understand it and rep understand the, the um, importance of having a building like this and then also renovating. So I would go ahead, that's my long short, to say yes, I will support uh, moving this into a motion. All right, thank you, Christina. And do we have a second on that? Anyone able to second that? Kate Lorenz, I'll second that. Okay, thank you, Kate. All right, so with a motion from Christina to um, 
approved the 200,000 for retrofitting an existing building and a second from Kate. We're gonna do a roll call vote. Christina? Aye. Brad? Brad, I'm just, yeah, I'm, oh, can you hear me, Michelle? I'm, yep. I'm just, I, I would say nay. I'm just not sure that we know enough yet. I'm certainly supportive of the first item that we passed, but I just don't think we know enough to uh, support um, okay. some facility development. Certainly would be happy to entertain it at a later date, but that's my thought. All righty, Kate? Aye. John is recusing himself. Adam? I really want to say yes, but we, I don't feel like we know enough details about uh, any potential site just yet to, to say aye, so I, I have to say no. All right. Patrick? We're going to abstain from this one. All right. And I will vote in favor of that. Um, and so we have three votes in favor, two votes no, and um, one recusal, one abstention. Um, so the motion does carry. Michelle, I'd like to clarify mine. Because, okay. because my one of my employers is USD 497, I just don't feel like I can vote on that one. And I understand that. Yes. I didn't know whether recusal or abstention was the way we wanted to go. So it's a record. So I appreciate that. All right. And the third item is a request for 583,200 um, for investment in child care affordability um, scholarships, basically. So do we have a motion on this item? I'm happy, this is Patrick Kelly, I'm happy to make that motion um, to recommend that request. All right, and do we have a second on that? Michelle, I'd second that, this is Brad. Okay, all right, so with the motion from Patrick Kelly and a second from Brad Burnside, we are going to take a roll call vote on uh, approving 583,200 um, for basically uh, scholarships, uh, child care affordability. So, Christina? Aye. Brad? Aye. Kate? Aye. John is abstaining or recusing. Um, Adam? Aye. Patrick? Aye. And I am an aye. So, we have six in favor and one recusal that motion carries. So thank you very much, Anna and Reva, for answering our questions on that. All right, our next um, item on the agenda is for the BTBC. I'm not sure who is presenting on this, but I will hand it over to you. Yeah, I'm Adam Courtney and BTBC um, also presenting with Robert Knapp, and um, we're, we're going to just start with a video, kind of highlights uh, BTBC, uh, where we've come from, where we're going, um, talk about how we're uh, aligned with the city's strategic plan and economic development strategic plan, and then talk through our requests. So um, it, if you'll indulge us, we'll uh, start with this video here, and let me know if you can, can't see or hear. 
once we get started. This is Christina Gentry. I'm not hearing the video sound. Did you say you're not hearing it? No. Yeah, I'm not hearing it either. Oh. Yeah, I'm playing through. Robert, I don't know if you want to try it real quick. Uh, I can try. Sorry about that. Uh, you gotta oh, I got to I, I think I got it now. Okay. Sorry about that. There we go. Got More it. than a decade ago, Lawrence community leaders had a bold idea to bring together business leaders, local government, and the University of Kansas to form a unique coalition devoted to economic development, a public-private partnership committed to building a more modern, robust, and resilient economy in Lawrence and Douglas County. Through the combined efforts and support of its four founding stakeholders, the City of Lawrence, the Lawrence Chamber, Douglas County, and the University of Kansas, the Bioscience and Technology Business Center was born. Its mission? To reshape the local economy and generate high-paying jobs by creating, recruiting, and growing innovative companies clustered around the strengths of the University of Kansas. Today, BTBC has grown from a small incubator on KU's West Campus into a region-wide ecosystem, supporting innovation, entrepreneurship, and the commercialization of new technologies. A vibrant part of the regional economy, BTBC's nearly 60 high-tech and bioscience companies represent more than 375 high-wage jobs and $22 million in annual payroll. After 10 years of growth, the demand for BTBC's specialized facilities, services, and support is higher than ever. Thanks to the combined efforts of its founders, bolstered by a growing alliance of public and private organizations, including the Kansas University Endowment Association, the Kansas Department of Commerce, and the U.S. Economic Development Administration, BTBC will soon break ground on its first graduate expansion facility. Phase three. Strategically located on KU's West Campus, Phase 3's nearly 70,000 square feet of specialized wet lab, offices, and shared spaces will soon be home to 250 new high-tech jobs at some of Kansas's most innovative and fast-growing bioscience and technology companies. More than just a building, Phase 3 is the next step towards a new era of sustainable economic growth and resilience in Kansas. The creation of the KU Innovation Park. A dense concentration of innovation and entrepreneurship supporting infrastructure, services, people, and amenities, the park will support a diverse mix of startups, private industry, government agencies, and KU Research, bringing an additional 2,500 high-wage bioscience and tech jobs to Lawrence. With the creation of the KU Innovation Park, BTBC's bold founding vision comes into focus. An entire community working together to forge a strong, 
diverse, and resilient economy to improve the lives of all Kansans now and for decades to come. I'll just, in the interest of time, cut it short there. Um, so that's just a little overview. You know, it, it mentioned that uh, we're getting ready to break ground. We've already broken ground on West Campus. Um, so if you've driven by, you, you've seen it. Um, just to highlight our, our metrics, it said 375 in there. We're, we're at 58 companies and 417 jobs now with about almost 25 million in payroll. And so those are the metrics we kind of define ourselves by. Um, in addition to that, you know, as we been working with the city on their strategic plan and economic development strategic plan. Um, one of the priorities is women and minority owned businesses. And so we've uh, began tracking that metric. And um, you can see that, uh, you know, when we did that research this spring, we saw that about 40% of our 58 companies have uh, female or non-white founders or, or owners. So um, as you can, the chamber went through the metrics that that the community averages. Uh, and so we're well beyond that, but but not satisfied with that. And so we're gonna focus more on that uh, in the coming year. And then you can see here, this is our, our 10 year growth. Um, we've had about a, a 28 uh, compounded annual growth rate on our jobs uh, over our history. So that's pretty good. And you can see that here. And then phase three is our, our building that's going in on West Campus. Um, it's about 66,000 square feet holds, it'll hold about seven to 12 companies with 200 to 250 jobs, um, have an additional 12 to $15 million in, in payroll. Um, we're currently about 62% pre-leased. Um, we figure by the time we open, we'll be between 75 and probably 80% there. And so we have a lot of momentum, um, as we look at our next, uh, growth, which is the innovation part, which mentioned by the video and Robert will cover now. Yeah, thanks, Adam, and thanks to the committee. Um, you know, we you you saw in the video the innovation park and 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 the long range vision of this over the next fifteen years and a and a build out that is targeted through two thousand thirty five. It's certainly a lofty goal, um, but you saw some of you can see here some of the metrics and the impact, and obviously. One of the ones we, we feel is most pertinent is the 2,000 to 2,200 jobs that we think this will be able to create over time. And so, you know, phase three is, is the beginning of that. But as we continue forward, um, it becomes more than just this innovation hub. Um, it becomes kind of a whole work, play, live, learn environment. Um, and Adam, if you'll go to the next slide, you know, when we talk about the innovation park, one of the key things is to try and build a more modern and diverse um, economy. And you can see here through the statistics, the, the current um, employment and median incomes around current, uh, whether it's retail food, educational, or healthcare. And you can see kind of a gap right down here in professional tech science and management area. And this is the area that, um, you know, phase three and that the innovation park really will help focus on in bringing uh, more high wage paying jobs, which cyclically could obviously should help all of these other areas as well. If you go to the next slide. Um, a lot of people always say, well, okay, where, where is this innovation park? And you can, so up in the left-hand corner there, you see just a quick picture there, um, 23rd in Iowa, 
you can see the West Campus, the Innovation Park that we just went through up there in the upper left-hand corner. And then Endowment um, has plans to put in kind of the component around retail, housing, other amenities that will really help keep companies here in Lawrence, as well as give people that are working in that innovation park um, an area to live and to walk and be um, close to uh, close to their employers and employment as they go forward. And with that, I'll, I think I turn it back over to you, Adam. Sure. Thanks, Robert. And so uh, areas that we're kind of aligned, not kind of, we are aligned with the city's strategic plan or, you know, diversify the economy, the target industries, uh, raising the the area median wage, you know, our job wages are about $60,000 per job. So um, if we can grow that, that'll help. And then minority and women-owned business. Um, and then the economic development strategic plan, you know, continue to do entrepreneurship, startups, tech-related companies, um, business retention and expansion. And so, um, you know, and then finally connecting students, educators, and employers by leveraging the university assets. And that's kind of our main goal. We, we take that biggest economic uh, asset that we have in the region, which is the university, and try to make those connections and keep those uh, highly educated. Adam, I think you froze. Adam. Robert, are you there? Yeah. Am I, can Adam, you hear me now? Yeah, you yep. froze on uh, the largest economic asset in the region. <laughs> Sorry about that. Got to love technology. So I'll just get to our ask. Um, our request is uh, our, our standard $200,000 uh, from the city, which supports our business services, our entrepreneurship, and then our, just our creating, recruiting, and growing companies. Um, this funding is matched annually by the Douglas County and the university. Uh, so it's got some matching funds to it. Uh, the second component is the BTBC city, county, and Senate fund. This is about um, I think seven years old at this point. Um, previously, it, it's been $25,000 from the city. We're requesting a, an additional $25,000. Um, with the opening of phase three, we think 2022 is going to provide us good opportunity and momentum to do some more recruitment and bring in more of these companies. Um, and then also as a piece of that $50,000, um, we're going to use 25% of the incentive fund to uh, target women and minority-owned businesses as well. And then the final piece is the what we're, we're calling the real estate development request. Um, the past two years, the city's provided us a matching fund of $75,000, which was a total of $375,000 commitment that we leveraged to raise money from the county. And then we leveraged the city county money to raise money from the Kansas Department of Commerce. And we used that funding to go out and raise the EDA funds that we used to build the phase three project. Um, and then in addition, we've expanded that into a phase four feasibility design and capital plan study. Uh, we think this is uh, important as well as we look at opening a building in 2022 with 75 to 80 percent capacity we need to continue to develop develop real estate capacity to meet the demand that the park's going to generate and so um, starting on on the phase four feasibility we think is important to continuing the development of the innovation park and then finally we've requested a, a piece of funding to support our sustainability and smart technology initiatives um, we've we've started to develop a solar initiative um, as well as some other green initiatives and then working with a couple of our companies that uh, make smart technologies to incorporate those into uh, the current phase that we have phase three and then the innovation park itself. 
And so those are the, the three uh, funding requests that we have for 2022 from the city. And then we'll just open it up for questions at this point. All right, committee members, um, questions for Robert or Adam? Uh, yes. Yeah, so, uh, oh, I'm talking over someone. Go ahead, Christina. We'll thank, get John. You. thank you, John. Thank you for your patience and, and thank you for your presentation. Um, so my, my concern here is, and maybe this cannot be addressed here, but uh, bringing in new jobs, bringing in tech jobs will definitely be something that will energize and invigorate our our um, our our environment, our community, and it's something that we definitely want to make note of and, and promote. However, the companies and the businesses that are presently in Lawrence that are struggling due to COVID and struggling even before COVID, um, I'm wondering about the impact of new job creations of the Innovation Park and what that will do um, as far as bringing in new, new companies, new jobs, um, what that will do to the market um, competitively for the existing um, mom and pop places that we really do cherish here in Lawrence. So maybe a little bit of talk or maybe a conversation to help uh, me understand about what jobs are going to be brought in, what specifically, and this is probably something I should have gone through with the, um, the great information that's already shared. Um, but just to understand how this will affect business as we have been doing and also been struggling uh, with to continue to do in Lawrence, how would this impact the businesses that are currently struggling uh, to continue their business here in Lawrence? Yeah, I, I think the, and Robert, I'm going to jump in here, but feel free to also chime in. I think the, the businesses that we're talking about creating aren't a competition to the current businesses that I, I think you're speaking about uh, in the community. I think what what these companies do is they have a high multiple for indirect jobs so they create a lot of other indirect jobs in the community as well um, so i think that's important and then just uh, creating wealth in the community through those jobs i think we have a lot of people that leave town every day to go find employ employment in kansas city or topeka but live here in the community and so if they can uh, stay here in the community and find a job here in the community it just creates wealth in the community that gets spent here as well to support those local businesses um, so that I guess that's how I would answer it, Robert. I don't know. If yeah, they, I think I think you. I think that's what I would have said. I think the only additional comment I would have would be that obviously, if we can, if these jobs and and Christina, to your question, maybe more specifically, the types of jobs, it's really a broad spectrum, right? It's I mean, if it's from biosciences and laboratory and research and you know that kind of stuff, it's high tech, whether it's radar sensing or those kind of jobs, and so there's a mixture there. But but I think Adam's point's right, is if we can bring um, companies and jobs to this area of a higher level, we're also bringing families and we're bringing kids. And, and those are people who will work and want to work in the community, maybe in other capacities that I think will help raise all boats. Um, if you will, for the community. So, you know, I, I think I, I understand the concern, but I, th I, I, I think there's benefit um, from kind of that raise all boat mentality as we bring more people into the region who are benefiting from some of these high wage jobs. Right. Christina, did you have any more? No, that was it. Thank you. All right. Thanks, uh, John. 
Uh, yes, John Matthews, PERC member. My question is, uh, as far as the initial request of 200,000, I see that uh, the plan is to hire two to three student interns from KU. I couldn't see, maybe I'm missing it in that budget. What do you, what would be the, specifically the other funds be used for? Yeah, I mean, I think the other funds are used for business services that we provide to companies. So we do um, generally not just the business analysts, but uh, the staff, Robert and I uh, help companies by providing business planning support, financial modeling. You know, sometimes some of these small companies, they don't have um, a lot of experience, tech experience, they're researchers. And so we provide some of that uh, core business knowledge that they're lacking to help them set up their companies, grow their companies to become more mature companies. So that's generally what it is. And then it's also recruiting companies. And so bringing in companies, uh, you know, creating the companies out of KU and working with the university to spin out technologies. That's some of the other services within that core operating fund um, that we get. Thank you. John, any other questions? No, none at this time. And um, Adam, correct me if I'm wrong, but the 200,000 is not an increase from previous year? It is uh, the same amount we've asked to ask for for the last, I think, 10 years. And we okay. did get a, we had a reduction last year. We took the the 10% haircut in 2020. Um, and okay. so this would be bringing it back up to what it was before. Thank you. All right, any other questions from the committee? I have a question, I'm Kate Lorenz, a PERC member. I, um, yeah, I'm excited to hear again, as with the chamber about some emphasis that y'all have on supporting um, women and uh, people who've been minoritized. Um, I'm wondering in terms of the seat at the table and kind of who's making decisions, um, where do y'all think you are in terms of your staff, board, consultants, um, people you'd be looking to hire in terms of that diversity and different perspectives? And um, how are you considering that as you move, move forward with these ambitious projects? Yeah, so maybe I'll just jump in, Adam, and you can jump in. Um, you know, the I, I think we're we're still in a working phase. We're making progress. Um, we just hired with our three interns. Ironically, two of those three um, are would meet that diverse kind of qualification. Um, but certainly, you know, as we an interesting thing about our board is our board is a set of um, officials that are appointed. And then they appoint kind of a class B membership. And so, um, you know, I think an advocacy within our own board structure as we think forward in future years to, to think about that from that standpoint. Um, Adam, I don't know, you may have some other. No, I, I think that's right. And, you know, our stakeholders are the city and the county, the university and the chamber. And so, you know, their initiatives are generally our initiatives. And so we're going to work with them. And like Robert said, our class A membership is appointed by those organizations. And then they are focused on uh, electing their, our class B membership. So from a board standpoint, you know, I think we have um, stakeholders that are are focused on those things as well. And so hopefully we'll continue to develop our, our equity and inclusion um, policies and procedures. Yeah. Any other questions, Kate? Oh. All right. Any other questions from the committee members? Yeah, this is Christina Gentry again. I'm monopolizing the conversation today, as you can tell. Um, just, just really um, a point. I, I wanted to bring something to surface level here that I'm hearing a repeating theme today. Um, from all three of our presenters who've done a great job addressing each and every question. 
and answering to all that they could. I wanted to challenge, uh, and this is just a, a raising of, of a point. I want to challenge us here, um, not just uh, us here in this space right now, but future and, and every endeavor that we look at and into to um, be more strategic with our inclusion and equity pieces, because what I'm hearing is we are planning to plan. Uh, we haven't quite solidified that yet. That is a work in progress, et cetera. I just would like to, just as we have strategically lined out the monetary funds and the asks and also where they're going and direct funds and um, make a direction in that. We also continue to make a direct fund towards equity and make sure that's priority. Um, I feel that, that we're in a space to do that. And at this point, um, we shouldn't be planning to planning. We should already have a name and a base and a subject, and we, we should already be in those spaces. So I just want to challenge the group here to, to continue doing that work, um, like I think that you do, you're doing and you're starting, but also just to, just to make sure we're leading in equity when we um, are proposing plans uh, for, for the equity of our future and our people. So, uh, yeah, just wanted to address that and raise that here in the space. Thank you, Christina. I appreciate those comments. And you are not monopolizing. We all get to talk, so thank you. Um, any other comments, questions from the committee members? All right. Um, if I understood it correctly, um, we have three uh, requests from you. So um, where you've broken out um, the uh, under the facility and real estate uh, partnership and support, you've broken it down into kind of three different categories. You'd like us to vote for that altogether as 175, 175,000, is that correct? I mean, that's how we put it in the, the application proposal. Yeah, um, I saw that. So, okay, great. All right. Well, then um, I would like to entertain a motion for the first uh, request, which is the operational funding of 200000 uh, Michelle, this is John Perk member. I'd like to make a motion on the first of three items for 200000 All right. Thank you, John. And do we have a second on that? I'm Michelle Adam Ritchie. Uh, I will second. Thank you, Adam. All right. So we have a motion by John and a second by Adam to uh, approve the operational funding of 200,000. So I will go through the roll call. Christina? Aye. Brad is going to recuse himself. Um, Kate? Aye. John? Aye. Adam? Aye. Patrick? Aye. And I am an aye. So we have six in favor, zero no's, and one recusal for um, the operational funding of 200,000. Thank you very much. All right, we'll go to the second request, which is for 50,000 for incentive funding. Um, and so do we have any motions for that? Uh, Kate Lorenz, I'll move to approve that incentive funding. All right, so Kate has made a motion, and do we have a second? 
Uh, Michelle, John Matthews here, I'd like to second that. All right, so we have a motion by Kate, a second by um, John to uh, uh, recommend approval for the incentive funding of $50,000. So we'll go through and do a roll call vote. Uh, Christina? Um, I'm just going to say nay, just because I just want a little bit more information uh, to support this. Right. Um, Brad recuses. Uh, Kate? Aye. John? Aye. Adam? Aye. Patrick? Aye. And I am an aye. So with a vote of five in favor, one no, and run recusal, that motion does carry. And the last request from the BTBC is for facility support. It's a total of 175,000 that has been requested. Um, and so do we have any uh, motions on that? Any motions from the committee? I'm Michelle Adam Ritchie. I uh, move to approve the 175,000. All right, so we have a motion from Adam. Do we have a second? This is Patrick Kelly, second. All right, with a motion from Adam, a second from Patrick. We do have a motion on the floor for 175,000 approval for um, the three um, items requested there, which is uh, phase three commitment, uh, phase four feasibility and sustainability. So we'll do a roll call vote on that. Christina? Aye. Kate? Aye. John? Aye. Adam? Aye. Patrick? Aye. And I am an aye also, and Brad recuses himself. So with the vote of six in favor, zero no's and one recusal, then that motion does carry also. So thank you very much, uh, Thanks, Robert guys. and Adam. Thank you. All right. And so we have one more request and we have about 15 minutes left. Uh, I believe that Britt has the room there, City Hall, so we'll, I, we're going to move to Kevin Kelly um, with Peasley and their requests. So, Kevin, the floor is yours. Thank you very much uh, for this opportunity this afternoon. Uh, I'm going to uh, make sure and get through my short presentation as quickly as possible. So we'll have time for all your good questions. Just a moment. Awesome. All right. Okay. Um, for a little background. Um, that some of you may not be that familiar with Peasley Tech. We're lo located at 29th and Haskell in actually what was once the um, King Radio building. Uh, and, um, and there it is, if you want to get a visual on it. Um, our mission is really is directly related to economic development. I mean, we're to be a catalyst. We're to provide support for individuals and businesses in, in, in this community uh, to help people improve their life through training and better jobs, 
livable wage jobs and to help support our companies by providing training for their employees. Uh, the school was opened in 2015 originally as a um, home for community colleges to hold classes. Um, in, in 2017, however, um, Peasley Tech became a uh, Kansas Board of Regents approved uh, post-secondary institution and we started um, adding programs. Um, this was our first round approved in 2017. We've continued to build and add programs each year uh, in a variety of skilled trade area. Um, you can see in 19, things really were kicking up with a lot of apprenticeships and new programs. And even during the pandemic, we were able to get some new programs started to help people uh, again, get livable wage jobs. Um, we are currently the largest provider of apprenticeship programs in Kansas. The beauty of apprenticeships, if you're not familiar with them, is that people are full-time employees, benefited employees of companies while they're learning their skill. Um, a little look inside the building. Our, our building trades lab was funded by two local foundations, the Rice and Chris Foundations. Um, you can see that it's uh, uh, just what it looks like. Building is actually changing considerably. We just added some new woodworking programs in here and other things. So it's, it's, it's quite a busy shop now. Um, this is just a view of one of the classrooms that was also funded with the, um, uh, with the Chris and Rice Foundation uh, grants. Um, we have a large industrial maintenance program. If you're not familiar with that, those folks keep the manufacturing plants running. Uh, currently, we have more than 40 students uh, enrolled in programs uh, for Hallmark and very global and, and are preparing to go to work in those places, along with many other companies. Um, this is some of the students in this particular class uh, is preparing is um, automation and robotics related. Uh, we have a machining laboratory, which is part of many of the programs we do here. Um, you can see some folks here working on uh, lathes and and mill machines in the back. Um, we also are fortunate to have the Dell Willie and Lawrence New Car Dealers uh, training lab, which was funded by six new car dealers uh, here in Lawrence. Um, it's a beautiful lab. It's as good as one as you'll find anywhere. And right now I think there's uh, about 70 students enrolled in programs in, in um, in the automotive technology related. And we also, related to this, we do a, a, a program at uh, Eudora High School for auto body repair. Um, our welding laboratory opened a couple of years ago. It's a great facility. It's a hop in place. Um, there's uh, you know high school students during the day and, and uh, adults at night. And then uh, we even give a little support to the artists. We have a program for welding for the hobbyists and artists. Uh, networking and computing labs, we operate here also, also high demand jobs. Um, that's not really one of our students. Um, that was just a photo somebody put in there. Uh, as far as our requests uh, for funding this year um, from the city, um, having participated in the, um, in the economic development, um, strategic planning process for the city. Uh, you know, it was very important for us to make sure that what we do, we, we were tying to that. 
And, um, and there's two ways that uh, we're tying to it. One of the components uh, recommended by Ernst and Young and, and um, uh, uh, taken into the plan by the city is the development of an entrepreneur development center uh, or hub, if you will, for certain types of, I mean, obviously we have other organizations doing entrepreneur development, but this was to provide facilities where we could um, help people that needed uh, technical skills and subject matter experts uh, to help them build things, make things. So uh, what we have are proposing is funding for the Entrepreneur Crunch and Commercial Makerspace. Um, the Entrepreneur Crunch refers to the constant crunch that one is in when they're trying to start a new business. So our idea is to help support those operations with both facilities, equipment, and subject matter experts, along with assistance through our partnerships as part of this uh, entrepreneur ecosystem that, that is being developed under the Economic Development Strategic Plan. Um, it will be 8,500-foot uh, facility, have office spaces for people starting up businesses that need uh, space to work, um, a media room to help prepare their, um, uh, you know, their advertisements, their videos, other things related to getting their business off the ground, a 3D printing lab, which is really critical when you're trying to prototype new, um, new products, and uh, access to, uh, to subject matter experts, uh, of which we have many here in a variety of areas. Um, from, uh, I mentioned the automotive and welding and machining and uh, in, in computers and robotics. Uh, so we have a, a, a number of folks that can help support uh, uh, people trying to start up their business. Um, here's the proposed budget for this. Um, the city, we're requesting $129,713, a nice round number. And um and, and you can see here what we're asking for is really for operation of the square footage operation. That's based on our known uh, cost for utilities and maintenance on a space. Um, and the uh, Peasley Tech will be contributing uh, a, a near matching funds in the way of support for the uh, entrepreneurs in building out these facilities and uh, doing that through a renovation fund and um, creating uh, what we think will be one more and one important piece of the entrepreneur um, ecosystem that we need if we really want to attract and retain um, people starting up businesses. Uh, so that's the first part of our, our ask. The second part is relates to our race, income, and equity Race, Income, Equity, and Security, our RISE program. A little bit about the RISE program. Um, we uh, are now, this will be our third uh, iteration of this. Uh, I think we've had, um, uh, we really surpassed our goals in terms of, uh, of serving underserved populations in this community. There's two important numbers that uh, I can tell you about the RISE program, and they are 45 and 66. 
45% of our um, participants in this program identify as members of BIPOC communities. 66% of the participants in this program um, are, are from low-income households. So uh, the effect on the economy uh, is jobs and preparing people into livable wage jobs. Uh, this request that we're making is for $200,000 for the RISE Fund. Um, based on our average tuition, that'll create, that'll train about 80 people in deliverable wage jobs with an average uh, annual um, uh, uh, income uh, based on that of over $3 million. So this is a uh, investment with a, with an immediate impact because most of these folks will be done within a year and in jobs. Um, we also have had the uh, uh, good support uh, of this program uh, through the county under the CARES uh, Act in the past and more recently through the um, Chamber of Commerce who uh, uh, who have uh, provided $50,000, which is being used exclusively uh, for BIPOC community members in highly underrepresented fields of HVAC and plumbing. Both good paying jobs, uh, and we're, we're providing full scholarships uh, to those programs for, uh, for 20 folks. Uh, well, I think I did it in time. I hope I have left enough time for questions. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Kevin. Um, committee members, any questions for Kevin? Uh, Michelle, uh, I had one question. This is John, Perk uh, member. Yep. Would the, the, did you say the 2,500 would cover the full cost or is that just a portion of, of the that's the, full, that's the full cost of our, of the average full cost of a program at Peasley okay. Tech. And that is in part because we're a not-for-profit organization. So basically we cover our cost of instruction and facility. If you looked at these kind of programs like electrician training and plumber, you know, they're typically much more expensive than they are at Peasley Tech. And one other part of that because of the, the way that these programs are structured and because of our policy that no student leaves here with debt, um, we have been able to, through lots of uh, kind donations and, and working with students to make sure that that promise has held true for four years now. No student has left this school with debt. You mentioned plumbing and HVAC. What is the duration of these programs? Nine months. One night a week, though, so they we get them working in the field while they're here. We get them hired on with contractors uh, in HVAC or plumbing so that they're actually employed making a living while they're going to school. Great. Thank you. Mm -hmm. All right. Any other questions from committee members? All right, if no questions, then we have two um, funding requests here. Um, does anyone want to make a motion on the first one, which is for the 
Michelle, this is John. I'd like to make a motion for the first one of $129,713. All right. And a second on that. Michelle, it's Brad. I'd second that. All right. So we have a motion by John, second by Brad to uh, recommend approval for the $129,713. Um, so I'll go, do, go through and do a vote. Uh, Christina? Aye. Brad? Yes, please. Aye. Kate? Aye. John? Aye. Adam? Aye. Patrick? Aye. And I am an aye. So that motion has been approved by a vote of seven yes, zero noes. All right. The second request is for 200000 um, for RISE program. Do we have a motion on that? This is Christina Gentry. I will propose a motion uh, to accept that. All right. So Christina Kate, has made a motion. And who made a second? second? Kate. Kate, Kate. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Talked over you. Sorry. Um, so Christina has made a motion and Kate has seconded to uh, recommend approval for the 200000 um, for the RISE program for tuition assistance. So, Christina, uh, you want to take a vote? Sure. Yes. Aye. <laughs> okay. Brad? Aye. Kate? Aye. John? Nay. Adam? Aye. Patrick? Aye. And I am an aye. So, we have uh, six in favor one nay and so uh based off that vote um that motion does carry so thank you kevin for your time today thank you very much everyone all right so Britt, do we have any uh members of the public no there are no members of the public in the room all right and so is there any other items that we need to discuss Okay, we'll take a motion to adjourn. This is Adam, so moved. Second. This is John, Brad. I'd like to second. Okay. All right, so we are adjourned based off that motion. I don't Bye think everyone. Bye everyone, thank you for all your time today and have a great evening.